0: When you give someone something to push against, they're going to push against it. When you kind of say, okay, I I don't agree with that, but I kind of see where you're coming from.
1: Right. And
0: here are some of the merits of what you said. Now I can let my guard down a little bit. Now I I don't have so much to push against and I can start to let go of my protective stance and maybe relent and go, well, what you're saying has some merit too.
2: Hey, welcome back to Stop Killing Deals. Today, we will explore an outside perspective on empathy. And joining us is Maria Ross. Maria understands the power of empathy at both a personal and a brand level. Her latest book, you have to read it, is called The Empathy Edge. And her work has been featured by none less than Huffington Post, entrepreneur.com, Forbes.com, and many others. Maria also runs a consultancy firm that advises fast-growing businesses on how to build irresistible brand stories and authentically connect with customers. Let's jump right into this fascinating topic with Maria. So, hi, Maria. Welcome to the show.
0: Hi, thanks for having me. I'm happy to be here.
2: Great to have you. And uh, let's start with a definition. We're going to talk about empathy. But before we do, what is empathy? What's your definition?
0: It's interesting because when I was researching the book and speaking to leaders and experts, everyone sort of had their own angle on the definition of empathy. And even if you look at the dictionary definition over time, Uh it's changed as society's understanding of it, as psychology's understanding of it has changed. But where I really land and and what I think is most relevant to empathy in the workplace is that empathy is the ability to see things from another person's perspective. Mm -hmm. And sometimes feel what they're feeling, but that's that's one aspect of empathy, which is emotional empathy. You can yeah. still practice cognitive empathy without feeling right. the feelings, right? But usually nine times out of 10, cognitive empathy results in you feeling something or bringing up something similar that you've experienced, mm-hmm. even if you didn't experience that exact thing. But being able to see things from another person's point of view, but further use that information to then act, right? To communicate in a certain way, to um, make decisions in a certain way. What it isn't is just being nice. It's not um, caving in to crazy demands from people. (laughs) So a lot of the connotations around it being a weak leadership trait are actually false because really Mm. some of the strongest, most confident leaders lead with empathy.
2: Mm. That's very, very interesting. You also talk about compassion. So I wanted to bring that word up uh, as well and have us talk about it. Mm-hmm. What's the what's the difference between or how do they two, the two uh, connect?
0: Yeah, compassion is really empathy in action. So when you uh-huh. practice cognitive empathy and, or emotional empathy and you act on it, mm-hmm. you make a decision, you decide to do something, you communicate in a certain way, that action is the compassion component. So you can have empathy for people and yeah. do nothing with that information, right? Um, but really compassion comes forth in the action of what you do in response to seeing things from another person's point
2: of view. Do, do you see that a lot, that, that you have people who are very empathetic uh, and they, they can really, they, they're really good at understanding the other person's perspective, but they might right. not be so good at actually articulating so that the other person perceives that they're seen and heard?
0: Absolutely, I think people with and leaders with a really weak empathy muscle. Maybe it wasn't rewarded or modeled for them growing uh-huh. up, or maybe a past job sort of beat it out of them yeah. <laughs> in that culture. And so, that yeah. just like any muscle, it atrophies. And so, um, you know, there are very well intentioned people that might see things from another person's perspective, but not take action. Right. Or certain leaders who think they have to act in a certain way mm-hmm. in order to be seen as strong. And that's where it creates a lot of dissonance for people where they can't, leaders can't really bring their true selves to work because they might have a, an innate bent towards being empathetic, but feel like because of the culture they're in yeah. or because what they think they know that society says about leadership, they can't act on that empathy. And that's where they're actually losing out on a lot of the benefits of being an empathetic leader.
2: Right. How about sympathy? if I'm going to throw in another word (laughs) in the mix.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Well, sympathy is really about, um, you know, it's often associated with, with feeling sorry for someone Uh or someone in an unfortunate situation. You can have empathy for someone that's not in a bad situation. Right. right? If you win the lottery tomorrow, I can have empathy for you going, wow, he must really be excited about having won the lottery. Um, But sympathy is usually more about, um, you know, looking at someone versus sitting right next to them. Empathy is about sort of being on the same side of the table as them Mm -hmm. and not necessarily offering a prescription. Just, I hear you, I see you, I value you. Wow. This must be really tough. Yeah. Sympathy is more about, you know, I'm sorry for your loss, right? It's about me. I'm sorry for your Mm -hmm. loss. Mm -hmm. And so, um, Brene Brown did it. There was a great, um, illustrated video that came out that when she was talking about the difference between sympathy and empathy, where someone is stuck in a well and sympathy is the person looking down in the well and going, wow, that really sucks that you're down there, right? That's sympathy. (laughs) Empathy is someone climbing into the well and sitting next to them and being with them. And so that's really the subtle difference between sympathy and empathy. So we might think we're being empathetic when we're actually just being sympathetic.
2: Yeah, I think those are. It's very important to understand the difference.
0: Mm-hmm. Absolutely.
2: Sure. And uh, when you look at when you help people with these things in business, where would you say that most so have sort of a faulty assumption or or make mistakes when it comes to these topics?
1: Well,
0: I think from both, you know, my work as a brand strategist is about helping companies talk about their work and message their business and build their brand story. And so from an external perspective, I see sometimes a lack of empathy leading to, we think we understand what our customers want Mm -hmm. and the problems that that they want to solve, but we actually don't. We're in our ivory tower. Mm -hmm. Maybe when we first started our business, we did a lot of work on trying to understand what the customer's needs were and their aspirations and their goals and their values. But then as a company scales... Sometimes that can get lost in the busyness, right? Yeah. And so yeah. we th- we start to as- make assumptions. Yeah. Um, from an internal perspective, I think it's about leading with these are things that motivate me. Therefore, they're going to motivate my team, right. right? And that's completely the opposite of empathy because you're mm-hmm. looking at right. it from your frame of reference rather than being a leader that gets to know their people right. and understand like you know Joe is motivated by recognition. Alice is motivated by, you know, extra benefits or time off. Um, Bob is motivated by a raise, right? Or a promotion or something very, very grand validation. So not looking at things through like, well, this is what I would like, Mm -hmm. but thinking about it in terms of what my people need and want. And this is what they call the platinum rule, right? The golden rule is do unto others as you would have done unto you. The platinum rule is do unto others as they would have done unto them. And that's really where you get to empathy,
2: right? And I guess you mentioned earlier that some uh, people and leaders might have gotten this beaten out of them because of the, the culture they, they've been in. Uh, and and I think you said something about it being uh, perceived as weak, as a weakness, mm-hmm. perhaps. Mm-hmm. So, so when you're when you when we're talking about empathy, you mm-hmm. it's it's not the same thing as always giving someone what they want, right?
0: Absolutely not. I mean, you could give someone what they want all day long. It doesn't mean you see things from their point of view. It just means you're too scared to say no. Yeah. Right? And empathy is about seeing things from another person's point of view. So, um I often use the example of one of my most empathetic bosses I ever had um had to lay off the entire marketing team in advance of a sale. And it was the way that he did it, it was the way that he communicated the decision, it was the support he provided thinking, what, is, what do my folks need right now, yeah. right? Um, and making it very individual. And this is not someone who is a weak leader. This is someone who has built and sold many companies over mm-hmm. his career, right? Yep. This is not a shrinking violet we're talking about. Right. But someone who just understands that it's the connection with your people and understanding what they need and seeing, hearing, and valuing them is how you're going to get the best work out of them, which yeah. benefits you as a leader, yeah. right? Cuz then you create a high-performing team. And so um you know really trying to understand that it is not I know a lot of nice people who are not necessarily empathetic. They just right. do nice things. It doesn't mean they they understand what someone's going through. It doesn't mean they they can sit with that person. They just want to they want to do something, right? right? And also in terms of weakness, you actually have to be quite confident to be empathetic because you have to have enough self-confidence mm-hmm. to not get defensive,
1: right. to be
0: able to not be stuck in your own insecurities and fears that you can actually take on another person's point of view. So yeah. when you look at leaders like Mark Benioff or the CEO of Zoom or, you know, other leaders like that who are, are hugely empathetic, mm-hmm. they're very strong leaders who make stuff happen, right? Yeah. They are not doormats. And so I think that's the confusion of, of you know, well, I, if I just hire a bunch of really nice people, I will create an empathetic culture or mm-hmm. team, and yeah. that's not that's not going to do it for you because they have to have self confidence, they have to have the ability to be present and be yeah. able to read people and put aside their own ego and their own stuff to take on another person's point of view,
2: and and not necessarily then. Agreeing with that point of view, right? I think that's the totally important thing here. You you can you can understand that point of view, but it doesn't mean that you have to sort of ag- accept that point of
0: view, right? Oh my gosh, I'm so glad you brought that up because I forgot to mention that. Is it's definitely not necessarily agreeing with someone. In fact, there's a there's a facilitation technique called empathy circles that was started by a man named Edwin Rutsch from the Center for Building a Culture of Empathy. And he's training people all over the world. He's done these empathy circles at the most divisive political rallies uh-huh. in the world and protests to basically just help people see each other as human. But empathy does not mean I agree with you. Right. It means I hold space to like understand your context and understand how you got there. I still don't have to agree with you, whether it's at work or in a, you know, a testy budget meeting or uh, you know, a sales rep talking to a prospect. I don't have to agree with you, but I can understand where you're coming from. Yeah. And that can then lead to finding common ground and then maybe finding a solution going forward that benefits both of you. But it's definitely not acquiescing or agreeing necessarily
2: with someone. Right. Because I think that's where some people might trip up on, mm-hmm. on this topic, right? They think, oh, I need to be empathetic, meaning that I need to agree with whatever they're saying. Right. And uh, need to be agreeable. And, um, and, and when, right. you, when you're the manager and you're, you're helping your, you're the person that reports to you, mm-hmm. that can become very problematic because you need to hold that person accountable and then it becomes a conflict in your head. Oh, how am I going to uh, hold this person accountable if I need right. to be empathetic? So yeah, it's an interesting... Right. I mean,
0: the, one, of, one of the best ways a leader can, can hone their empathy muscle or build their empathy muscle yeah. is during a performance review with maybe with an underperforming mm-hmm. uh, team member right and that means you're not condoning the behavior but you're not going at it at as like you're doing this wrong you're doing this wrong you're doing this wrong you're fired right, right. it's it's help me understand what's going on for you uh-huh. i see a trend of you not delivering on time i see a trend of you not making your numbers
1: mm-hmm.
0: um i'm i'm hearing some things that you know you may be difficult to work with like let's talk about what's going on why don't you tell me what's going on for you and at least understand where the person's coming from so you can ultimately solve the problem right Right. And so I think that's, that's a big difference of in no way, shape or form is that manager condoning the lack of performance and letting it slide, Uh but they're taking the time to try to understand someone's context. Maybe the person is dealing with an elder parent who's sick at home. Maybe the person had like a really bad experience in their career and this project is bringing all that up for them. Right. And so they're getting really Belligerent with their coworkers. So just trying to, now you can solve the problem and you can get someone talking and say, like, I hear you, I understand you, but this behavior can't continue. So let's figure out a way. Do you need, you know, do you need to take Fridays off to deal with your family issues? Do you need, you know, then you can get to constructive problem solving rather than just, well, I'm right and you're wrong. And so you're fired.
2: Right. Yeah exactly. Yeah. yeah. That's a very 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 good. Point. Yeah.
0: And most leaders, you know, to be honest, and having been in, you know, most leaders don't take the time because it's it's easier to just, you know, make the decision and move on.
1: Mm-hmm. But, you
0: know, it's giving that person an opportunity. And then of course, if someone is underperforming over time, no matter what you've done to reach out, then of course, you know, maybe the most empathetic thing is to actually counsel them out and help them find a role where they can succeed.
2: Right, yeah. Because um, that. that's
0: actually, nobody wants to fail on a daily basis, right? No. If you look at it from their point of view.
2: <laughs> yeah, no, exactly. And that's interesting. Mm-hmm. Uh, empathy doesn't always mean what you might think it means. That's exactly. mirroring again. Like if you're projecting yeah. your own thoughts uh, yeah. into the other, that might go very wrong. And how would you say, if someone is very empathetic and, and compassionate in a mm-hmm. good way, and, and um, how, how does that make you feel? I mean, what's the feeling we get when we, we're talking right. to someone with these, uh, with a good muscle?
0: <laughs> right, right. Well, I think you know, it's one of those things we know it when we're in it. Uh-huh. We feel safe. You know, psychological safety is coming up a lot in yeah. management circles about the fact that especially with the pandemic, is your your people have to it's like Maslow's hierarchy of needs, right? You have to feel safe in order to perform your job and safe physically, but safe emotionally. Like, is it okay if I take risks? Is it okay if I offer out an idea without being made to feel like I'm stupid? You know, is it, do I, am I in in an environment where I'm not being harassed or feel like I'm being, you know, biased against Yeah. all of that is about psychological safety. So number one, you, you feel secure in the environment you're in and you feel, like I said earlier, seen, heard, and valued. Even if your boss doesn't agree with you all the time, like you know that you are valued you know they're willing to listen to your ideas and your thoughts
1: mm-hmm.
0: um, you i think one of the biggest e- one of the biggest killers of empathy is ego right and so we uh-huh. we've probably unfortunately all been in a situation where we've had a manager that led by ego because yeah. they thought that showed they were strong and forceful right and you never you 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 constantly don't have your footing when you're in an environment like that so when you're dealing with an empathetic leader you feel, you feel safe, you feel secure, you feel heard, you feel valued. And that frees you up from all the, the junk, the unnecessary junk that gets right. in the way of your job, right? The politics, the like, oh, I have to like protect what's mine. Yeah. I have to be looking over my shoulder all the time. And that's why the data shows that empathetic cultures breed more innovation uh-huh. because people are free to be creative. They're free to take risks. They're free to focus on the job you hired them to do. Right. Rather than all the other stuff. And I remember, you know, personally, one of my worst work experiences with, was with a very, I, just frankly, psychologically abusive boss. Ouch. And no one was doing their best work because we were scared every day that we were going to say the wrong thing and we were going to get yelled at, or we were going to do something that this person didn't like. And this person was going to, you know, email flame us in front of the whole team. Like that's not the way to create a high performing team. (laughs) And all those people were high performers and they all left, right? And they went to other companies. (laughs) Yeah, I know.
1: That's but um yeah. (laughs) Yeah.
0: Yeah, It's so I think like, you know, I think we can all think back, you know, hopefully we can all think back to a good experience we had. And maybe we didn't realize it at the time or call it empathy at the time. But it was like, wow, that, you know, we really clicked. My manager and I really clicked, and I was in a flow and I did some of my best work at that job. It's quite possibly because that manager was a very empathetic manager.
2: One thing that I hear people say when they um, feel that the other person is empathetic and, and compassionate is that they feel understood. Do you, do you think that is an important word in this context to to feel understood?
0: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, when we talk about being seen, heard, and understood, it's again not agreeing, but I understand your point of view. I understand how you got there. Right. If you're having a, if you're having a contentious budget discussion or, you know, you are, you, you want to go, you want to do strategy A for a project and someone else wants to do strategy B, yeah. you kind of can can go, okay, I don't agree with that approach, but I I get it. Right. And I understand you. Now like my defenses are down.
1: Yeah.
0: So it's like, okay, well, I kind of can understand how you got there too. So let's find a way forward, rather than like this, right, all the time. Um, And I'm, you know, putting my fists together on that. But um, you at least can find a way forward because you can understand each other. Because half the battle, half the resistance, when you are in a, when you're in a difficult situation with someone, just to use that as an example, like you're in a a difficult conversation or you're in conflict, is when you give someone something to push against, they're going to push against it. When you kind of say okay, I, I don't agree with that, but I, I kind of see where you're coming from. Right. And here are some of the merits of what you said. Now I can let my guard down a little bit. Now I, now I don't have so much to push against. Yeah. And I can start to let go of my protective stance yes. and maybe relent and go, well, what you're saying has some merit too.
2: Interesting. And, and I, I'm thinking as you were talking about these things, uh, that people, it's one thing to be empathetic with another person, but I find that some people are not being empathetic and compassionate with themselves. H- how would you s- talk to that? Do you see that a yeah, lot? Or?
0: absolutely. I think you know, in my book, the first habit, the first actionable habit that I have is practicing presence, and that's about getting your own house in order. Right. Right. We've we've all heard the stories of like you know you can't love another person unless you love yourself, and and it's true because if you are So caught up in your own opinions, your own self-doubt, your own insecurities, you will put up a protective stance that prevents you from trying to see things from another person's point of view. If you've ever had, you know, a debate with someone who just gets very defensive. And and we're seeing that a lot in our culture with a lot of the the social justice issues going on. You know, people are taking information in and, and perceiving it as an attack on them. Right. That's because they don't have they don't have their own house in order. They don't have like their maybe they're insecure. They have their own fears. Their defenses are up. So in order for you to be able to be empathetic, you've gotta, you've gotta deal, you know, you have to build your own self-confidence. Yeah. You have to work on your active listening skills. You have to work on your ability to set your own agenda aside for a moment to then take on someone else's point of view and not feel threatened. By that other person's point of view i think that's the key and if you feel threatened by another person's point of view unless it's you know directly harming you yeah. <laughs> you know if i'm in a budget discussion someone's someone's decision about what they want to do to, with the budget isn't personally harming me right, right. <laughs> so um but really be able to just to just hear them and understand them without being so protective you yeah. that's that's inner work that has to be done and and like i said earlier if you can think of a manager that you've had in the past that was you know, very dictatorial maybe or very you know, abusive, right. you probably can look back, at least I can, and say, I think they had a lot going on there. I think that was more about them than it was about me. Yes. And so I, you're absolutely right. I think you have to start with, I think it's um, the Dalai Lama who says you know, about showing compassion for yourself uh-huh. before you have the ability to show compassion for somebody else.
2: Yeah, and I think that's a that's a good point. And do you think empathy improves with age?
0: <laughs> I don't know if it's age-based. I really no. don't because because of the the skills you have to learn, the the way you have to build that muscle.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: You could be a really young person and be yeah. super empathetic and you can be a very old and wise person and not be empathetic at all. You know, yeah. so I don't yeah. know that it necessary I don't know that there's an age Factor in it. I think it's really about just doing the hard work on yourself, no matter what age you are, right. um, and being able to to understand another point of view. I do think as you get older and you have more experiences, right. you can relate a little more to what other people are feeling. But you can actually be, you know, again going back to cognitive empathy, you know, you can be a sixteen year old white girl and understand and have empathy for what a 30-year-old black man goes through. It doesn't mean you've experienced the exact same thing. Right, yeah. But yeah. you can have empathy for that person. Sure. And yeah. so, you know, it's not about having the exact same experience as somebody else. That's not a requirement or a prerequisite for empathy.
2: Right. Any difference between the sexes, do you think? Are women more empathetic than <laughs> men or vice versa? You know,
0: or? this question always, uh, I mean, it's a good question, but it always like, you yeah. <laughs> because I think that there, there's some research that shows women are more prone, you know, that are better suited to collaboration and empathy, but there's really nothing definitive. Um, right. there, I mean, there might be some, but there's also studies that show the opposite, right? So it's mm-hmm. kind of like find the study that suits your point of view. I prefer not to talk about that at all, and and here's why: because I think people use gender as an excuse not to be empathetic. And I know a lot of you know, some of my most empathetic managers were men, and some of my least right. empathetic managers were women.
1: Mm-hmm. And
0: there's also data that shows that sometimes in 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 situations mm-hmm. where we view scarcity, um, yeah. you actually can have less empathy for someone who's just like you. Huh. For, for example, mm-hmm. like if you are an executive woman in the workplace and you're you're dealing with a with a a new hire, Who's a woman, you may not have as much empathy for her because you're like, well, you have to pay your dues like I did. Right. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and same thing for different scenarios for men. So um, it's a valid question. I think going down that rabbit hole detracts us from saying, hey, this is a human trait because all the, the scientific studies with babies, with children, show that there is no gender difference. Right. So That's somewhere true. along the line, it gets societally conditioned out of us. Um, but you know, there's, like I said, there's also, there are also studies that show from a biological perspective, how women are wired and how men are wired. I just prefer to avoid that because then it gives people an excuse not to embrace empathy.
2: Mm -hmm. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. No, I I see how that could, could be the case. So how would you say what, what's the opposite of empathy?
0: You know, that's a good question. Um, I mean, some might say it's apathy. But I don't know if it is. I think maybe the opposite of empathy is selfishness. Uh-huh. Maybe the opposite of empathy is you know egocentricity. Because right. you, you, have, you, you are looking at no other frame of reference other than yourself. Maybe it's right. narcissism is the opposite of empathy.
2: <laughs> yes, I think mean, that could, could be the yeah. case. Yeah.
0: yeah, I think anything that, that would take you away from your ability to try, at least try to see things from another person's perspective is is the opposite of empathy.
2: Very good. How about, um, I mean, when when you were writing your book and in in the work you do, have you come across any studies to show how important uh, empathy and compassion is in business? Are there actual numbers to back this up? That's the whole
0: book. (laughs) The whole book is the business case for for empathy. The data and the research is out there that shows that empathetic leaders Lead higher performing teams. Uh-huh. They retain their best people. They 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 attract top talent. Empathetic cultures breed more innovation, more creativity, more collaboration, better retention, lower turno- turnover turnover co- turnover costs, um, and uh, all of that. And then empathetic brands create more customer loyalty. They create more word of mouth. They. Um, they're able to deliver right fit products and services because they know their customers so well and can see things from their their point of view. So there's there's tons of data out there. And that's the good news, right? That And that was actually my goal with the book was to curate all that data in one place and yeah. say, here's the business case for mm-hmm. adopting empathy. And from a sales perspective, empathy is the number one trait of, successful salespeople. Now it's also combined with ambition. You can't Mm -hmm. just be super empathetic and not be proactive, right? To be a successful salesperson. But there's a study from USC that showed that, um, though that was the most important trait because you have the ability to pivot and understand your customer and adapt your sales pitch to what, what they might be needing at that moment. And some of the lowest scoring traits were actually knowledge of the product. Right. And, um, you know, driving the topic of conversation, which a lot of salespeople try to do, right? Mm -hmm. They think like, let me go in. But if you have empathy as a salesperson, you're able to be in the moment, practice presence and read your customer and adapt to what they're communicating to you in that moment. And, you know, when you think about, when you think about an objection handling, which, which we do a lot with sales enablement, it's, that's actually empathy, because it's like, what might they be thinking, right? And being able to address that upfront, but also knowing that if you're in the moment and the person is not communicating that objection, you don't need to give them that script. Right. You're you're adapting to where they are, you know, it's like situational fluency. Mm -hmm. Empathy provides that for you because you're able to be in the moment with another person.
2: Yeah, that's a good point. So I'm sure that the listeners are getting very curious uh, about your work, your book, and what you do. So if they want to learn more about you and read your book and maybe hire you, where, where do they find you?
0: <laughs> well, my main website is red-slice.com. I do brand strategy and brand messaging for entrepreneurs and fast growth companies to help them attract the right clients. And it's all done with empathy. It's all about you know who is your customer and what do they need and they want. Um, And then I do have a podcast called The Empathy Edge. So folks go to theempathyedge.com. They can check out the podcast where I interview leaders, thought leaders, executives, um, psychologists on all aspects of how empathy is a competitive advantage. Um, And the book is available there as well.
2: Nice. So thank you very much for jumping on the show with me and talking about empathy. It's been a a great um, learning experience. And I hope all the listeners think so as well. So see you next time, hopefully online in some kind of uh, interesting format. And uh, yeah, thanks a lot.
0: Thank you.